we've been looking together this Easter season, uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. And about two weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus came not to destroy the Jewish Old Testament, the Jewish law, but instead how he says, I came to fulfill it and to complete it. And so for the next several Sundays, we're going to get practically into that. What does that mean, Jesus? What does that look like when, uh, when you came to fulfill the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, and all those things? And so today we begin with chapter 5, verse 21, where he takes us to the Ten Commandments and shares with us some advice that I hope we can all learn from, especially our graduates. You've got a long life, we hope and pray for all of you in front of you. And, uh, and Jesus gives us wisdom that we need to make the most of our life and relationships. And so here's what he says today in that fifth chapter. If you have your Bibles, you can read along or you have it on your iPhone. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me and for me? Come Holy Spirit, um, may you rest on, in my heart and life, all our hearts and lives. Lord, because we are all um, in relationships with friends and family and so many people. And Lord, it's often that some of those relationships are struggling. And so Lord, uh, show us the way uh, to make the most of our life and those closest to us. So come Holy Spirit and Lord Jesus, help me lift you up. Amen. Um, as we look at sort of the state of our community these days, our nation these days, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, it's, it's clear to me, it, it seems like there are way too many of us running on a very short fuse, right? I mean... How many times do you get mad, or maybe someone gets mad at you, you know, road rage. Uh, somebody pulls in front of you, cuts you off, and you're like, and you're ready to go after them, right? Um, we see it weekly with the shootings, people that just blow up. We, we hear about the stories of strangers meeting at a movie or at a restaurant and getting into an argument, and pretty soon a 
a weapon of some kind comes out and damage is, ero- is irreparably done. Um, and even here in our own community, uh, this last Thursday I was at Rotary and uh, Mayor Evans came and shared kind of how things are going, uh, you know, with the police and in our, in our community. And, and the good news is, is things in Conyers are really, really well. Major crime is down, and it's come down significantly over the last 10 years. Things are going quite well in kind of all areas except one, uh, and that's aggravated assault. In situations where people are getting into arguments and getting into fights and all those kind of things, it's gone from 50 a couple of years ago to maybe 80 two years ago to now like 150. That's been kind of the one area that's blown up. And again, it's, it's because so many of us, we're living on a short fuse. And I think COVID probably had a ton to do with it. You know, uh, when we live in isolation for so long and, you know, six feet apart and masks on and all that stuff um, for so long, it can get lonely. And that loneliness can increase in us kind of anxiousness. And uh, and that isolation can lead to aggravation. And that aggravation can spill over into people that just blow up. And it seems like more and more in our lives that happens over and over and over again. And so that's an issue that Jesus saw in his own life. And so he takes us to the Ten Commandments to deal with it he says listen you you know the ten commandments the ten big ones right and one of the first of the ten one of the main ones is you shall not murder because you know that if you kill someone you will be judged for it and you will pay the penalty and so we're at this point where everybody i'm sure listening that day was saying yeah 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 sure we get it yeah yeah, I, you know, I haven't killed anybody. I'm okay today. You know, I'm not planning to kill anybody today, so I think I'll be okay tomorrow. You know, and, and so it's so often with this commandment, for many of us, it, it's a pretty easy one to check off, but not maybe a little harder for those that have been in war situations or uh, some type of unfortunate accident in life and, and grace and, and mercy of God surrounds us all in the midst of that. But... Uh, but for most of us, this is a pretty easy commandment for many of us to kind of check off, right? And Jesus says, well, you've heard that's what it said, but today I'm going to take you deeper. We're going to go underneath, and I'm going to reframe this commandment that's been around uh, by this point for 1,500 years. And we're going to look more deeply at what it means to really kill and murder. And so he goes on and says, but I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister, that person as well is going to be judged. And if if you would say to someone, Reka, then you're going to court. Now, how many knows what Reka means? Uh, That's... Reka is an Aramaic word. It's a word Jesus' community would have been familiar with. Matthew was probably writing this gospel to kind of Jewish kind of people who would have been familiar with it. I looked up a fancy uh, English, uh, excuse me, a, a Greek dictionary that interprets the words in the Greek New Testament. 
And uh, this, the guy who interpreted it must have been a Peanuts fan. Because you know how he interprets Reka? You blockhead. Right? That's it. For him, that was the modern translation. You blockhead. He says, if anybody says you blockhead, then you're going to court. And if anyone says you fool, and the word there for you fool, it's also Aramaic, but I think it's very likely where we get our word moron. It's, it's really closely related to the word moron. So anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. So Jesus says it's not just about the action of killing people that's the problem, but it's the anger that comes before it. And with that anger, all of these, Jesus says, are sin. All of them lead to judgment, and judgment is not a place any of us wants to be. And so Jesus goes from kind of a simple command that doesn't step on too many people's toes to now one that's stepping hard on mine. Because I know I've got challenges in relationships as well. And maybe on your toes too. And so Jesus today is helping us wrestle with what does it really mean? Um, and a couple of things that it, to kind of share with this, when it says the fires of hell, in the ancient Jewish world, hell was often Gehenna was the name that was often used. Gehenna was actually a valley outside of Jerusalem. And in this valley, uh, some of the bad kings, uh, Manasseh in particular, uh, he had a career of using that valley as a place where they would burn up children to the false god Moloch. And in that place, uh, it was a place of fire. And they would often even burn up their own children in, in this uh, area. And so it was considered a cursed valley. So cursed, in fact, that when God would come down to judge the Jewish people, he would come down and execute judgment in Gehenna, in the valley of Hinnom. And that would be the place where he would take care of the wicked-hearted and wicked-acting people. And so the Gehenna of fire, again, is not a place that any of us would want to be. And so what is Jesus challenging us with this morning? Um, in all honesty, it's this. That it's not just murder that matters. But instead, it's your heart and my heart that matters. And the anger that sometimes we store there and reside there, when that anger continues, and when that anger grows, it destroys relationships. And when that anger gets to a place where we start shouting with words and name-calling and all that thing, uh, we are putting ourselves in a place where where we are just as much under judgment as the murderer who killed somebody last week. That should make you say, wow, oh my goodness. That's kind of heavy. But part of the principle here, brothers and sisters, to realize is Jesus is reminding us sin is sin. It destroys relationships. It harms you. It harms me. It harms people. And so Jesus is reminding us, God takes sin seriously. 
And when we allow our anger to stay and resonate in our heart and lives, when we get that short fuse that explodes into words, into anger and all those things, it leads us to a place where we destroy relationships with each other. And Jesus is reminding us that's not how we are meant to live together. That's not who we're created to be. I know in my own life, in my own family, I think, you know, my guess is there's hardly a family out there where you don't notice relationships in your family or in your community that are struggling. Growing up as a kid, uh, you know, my grandparents were awesome, Granny and Granddaddy Puckett. They were Christians and, and all that, but every once in a while, they would stumble in a personal relationship with a family member or a friend over whatever issue was going on at the time. And y'all, sometimes it would take years to work through that process. You know what I'm saying? It would take years to get to a place where they could sit down at the table together again and say, you know, I'm sorry, let's move forward. You know, let's let the past be the past. It would take years. But as Christians, the redeeming thing is for them they would eventually get to that place where they'd say, yes, we can move forward with this person who had hurt us several years ago. And that was always good to see. Um, some examples of this I find very vibrantly in uh, the teachings and storytelling of Fred Craddock. Fred Craddock's dead now. He used to teach preaching at Candler School of Theology in Atlanta. And uh, just a wonderful pastor, one of the great storytellers of, of the last age. And um, Fred has two stories, one I want to share now and one a little later, about this reality and how it affects our lives in ways, untold ways. And so he tells the story, he was talking with a woman in her 60s. Now catch that, she was in her 60s. And this is what she told me, he says. She said it happened when she was about seven. Her mother and father was all, were always really chatty at supper. They had a large family and a lot of kids and supper time. And he, he says, I call it supper. Some people call it dinner. But at supper time, they just had a good time. Everybody laughing and talking. What had happened? What was good? What was bad? This and that. Mom and dad talking. The kids all talking. It was a wonderful time. But just before supper, mom and dad one day got into it, she said. I never seen them like that. I never heard them talk to each other that way. Their faces were red and screaming at each other. And then they saw us kids waiting for supper, and they got quiet. Mama said, sit down, let's eat. So we sat down, and it was as quiet as a graveyard. Nobody talked during supper. Nobody talked at breakfast. Nobody talked at lunch. Nobody. She said, for three weeks, nobody spoke at a meal. And mom and dad did not speak. And after about three weeks, they finally began to be civil to each other. But our home was never the same. She was 60 years old 
And this experience was burned in her mind. And Jesus says, when we're angry and we yell, we are guilty of the fires of hell. So what do we do, Jesus? Is there a solution? Can it be fixed? And the good news, Jesus says, is yes. It can be fixed. He goes on in verse 23 and says, and actually commands us in this, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, well, then leave your gift there in front of the altar and then first go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. And so Jesus commands us that when relationships in our lives are hurting or broken or shattered, that when we're reminded about him, it is on our plate to take the initiative and to do something to fix it. And so let's go a little more deeply into this and try to, maybe there's some questions running through your mind, practical questions. So let me try to deal with some of those that are in this, but also, I think, behind the scenes. First is Jesus saying that we should never get angry. Is anger a sin? And I think the answer, at least from my wrestling, the answer is no. Anger is a human emotion. It, it's a human thing to be angry, to get angry, all those sorts of things. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about when we let anger stay inside, we let it grow, we let it thrive, so that the point is, is that the anger then begins lashing out in, dest in destructive ways. So that's, I think, the first principle. The second principle Jesus shares is this, is that uh, worship can be an important part of our life, uh, not just because we come to worship God, but it's in these moments that instead of being hardened, well, stubborn and hard-hearted and anxious and all that in these moments sometimes we might allow ourselves to be a little more vulnerable right and so it's often in these moments together that god begins to get your attention and my attention and say oh yeah you know that person that you haven't wanted to talk to for three years don't you think it's about time that we work on that Oh, yeah, that person that doesn't like you or that, you know, has this against you because you made him mad a month ago. Don't you think it's about time to work on that? And so Jesus reminds us that if we come to worship, if we come to that time and God begins to bring to our mind broken relationships, there's a reason for that. And part of that reason is, is that it is now in your court to get up and try to do the right thing, to try to do the restoring thing. And so this kind of takes us to the second part of that. Um, now, in human relationships, how many people are a part of relationships? At least two, right? You and the other person. And as a human being, I'm responsible for my part, right? And the other human being is responsible for their part. I'm not responsible for their part, right? So they, they may continue to be mad or they may continue to do whatever they do, but my job as a human being is to try to make things right. 
And I think that's what he's talking about here, is that we should be the one to go and try to make the effort to do our best to make things right. That doesn't mean that this person will, again, be your best friend for the next 20 years. Maybe, but maybe not. But I think what it does mean is that from our side of the equation, we are responsible for our relationships and to get our relationships at least to a place where from our side of the equation, we love them, we want God's best for them, and we're willing to pray for God's best for them. If I can do that, no matter how the other person, where they are and how they respond, I've kind of done what I can to say, let's repair this thing. And so that's, uh, that's what I want to kind of share with you today, is Jesus encourages us as much as we can do our part for ourself toward the other person. Um, that's what we're to do. And then the final thing he reminds us is, is this is important. It's really important. He says, listen, settle matters quickly with your adversary while you're on the way to court. Don't even wait to get to the courthouse. Settle it on the way. Because once you get to court, your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you to the jailer, and you may go to prison. And if you end up in prison, you're not going to get out until you've paid the last penny. Paying half isn't going to do it. Paying 80% is not going to set you free. The only way to get free of your anger, free of these broken relationships, free of the damage it's done, is if you pay what uh, King James used to say, you pay the utmost farthing. The very last penny is the only thing that'll set us free. And so Jesus challenges us to make the most of our relationships, to be the one to love and to do the right thing. And in this, he, he digs in and shows us a way to life everlasting. And brothers and sisters, just I hope you notice in all these things, this is the kind of teaching that should make you think, wow, he got all that from you shall not murder. No way. I wouldn't get that from you shall not murder. He sounds like the son of the living God. Not just a normal human being, though he was a human being. He sounds like the God of all creation who can guide us how to live life at its best. I don't know about you. That's the kind of guy I want to follow. That's the kind of guy I want to be like. And so if he says, this is the way we do it, then Lord, I, I'm going to need your help. This is pretty hard stuff. But this is what I want to do. This is who I want to be. Because I don't want to be there at the end of time in that valley of Gehenna trying to pay the last darn penny. I'd rather settle it on the way. Because you never know how much time we have left to make things right. And that leads me to Fred Craddock's second story when he was on a plane one time with a young lady, and so this is what he shares. He says, I was once years ago 
I was flying out to San Diego, and I was on that side of the plane that had two seats. And you know the planes, three seats on one side, two seats, right? He says, uh, I was on the side with the two seats and on the aisle, and then this woman, she was in her 40s, she was at the window, and so I spoke to her some. Usually on the plane, I tried to work and read and study, read a paper, you know, whatever. But I noticed she was crying, like, like noticeably crying. And, you know, uh, being a minister and all, I'm supposed to say something. And so I said, I see this is not a happy trip for you. See, I'm very perceptive. That's only something Fred Craddock would say. She said, no, it isn't. Well, I'm sorry. She said, I'm going to my father's funeral. Oh, well, I'm sorry. And she kept crying. I mean, what else could I say? I can tell by the tears that, uh, that you and your father were very close. She said, no, on the contrary. I haven't spoken to my father, written to my father, called my father, seen my father in 17 years. 17 years. Really? In fact, she said, the last time I saw him, I was in his house. And we got into a quarrel, and I left the table and threw my napkin in my plate. And as I slammed the door leaving his house, I said, you can go to hell. That's the last thing I said to my father. And now he's dead. When Jesus says we're on the way, don't wait. He means it. Let's take the time to follow him and to not just not murder anymore, but also to make sure our heart isn't run by anger on a short fuse. Instead, may it be run by the love and grace of the Lord Jesus. May it fill us in such a way that we will feel called to step out in faith and do what we can to make things right and trust God in his sovereign grace to do the things we can't. And if we will do our best by his grace, Jesus will be with you and see you through it. And so that's my prayer for you today. You still have time. So let's make the most of it. Amen? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we all struggle in this life, maintaining healthy and loving relationships with our spouse sometimes, with our children sometimes, uh, with our coworkers or classmates sometimes. Um, we get ticked off about this or betrayed by that. And it's tough. It's easier to stay angry, Lord. It's easier to 
just ignore it and hope it goes away. But Lord, time is ticking. And the time of judgment is getting ever closer. And Jesus, you remind us the time for making things right, at least as best we can, is in our hands right here, right now. So Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, be with us. Help restore and heal relationships that we miss because they're broken. And help us do our part to keep following you. For there is no one like you on this planet. And so I praise you and thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.